Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. I hope you're having an amazing day today. I sure am. I'll tell you why. Actually, I've got a bunch of questions about this. Maybe I've answered them. Whether I have, whether I haven't, I'll update you. So Chris is now staying home. Um, I had talked a couple weeks ago about how we hired a nanny and then how the nanny didn't work out and The reason for the nanny was just to have an extra set of hands so that even though I'm here, I have the flexibility to step away and work because with three kids under two, it's just tricky. Somebody always needs something and we just needed that extra set of hands. So we were trying to decide, are we going to hire another nanny or do something different? And we decided that thing we would do is for Chris to quit his job. And so we're both here all the time and it's really interesting. I posted something about that on my Instagram stories and so many people were like, oh my gosh, how could he do that? What are you guys going to do financially? And uh, neither Chris nor I have any problem sharing this, but I think it surprises a lot of people, which is, you know, I guess neither here nor there. Uh, I have always been the breadwinner in our family. Um, And Chris was, was, the plan was for Chris to stay home when Dagny was born in 2020 And then after she died, he went back to work really just to have something outside of the house. And he enjoyed that social aspect. But for right now, it doesn't make sense. So I have been and remain the breadwinner in our family that, you know, not only is our situation, but it but it works for us. Um, So, you know, we're both home. And that is why this day is a good day, because we're kind of finding a new routine so that Chris can still do things that he wants to do and we can do things as a family and I have flexibility and he has flexibility and we're both getting as much time as possible with the kids. And so for us, that looks right now, like I work from 5 a.m. to about noon, Monday through Thursday. And then from noon to five, Chris can do whatever he wants to do. Right now that's building a new goat fence because our two of our female goats are having babies and we need a bigger space for the females. Um, but also if he wants to do things with friends or, you know, whatever, just get away and have some time for himself, he can do that. And then five o'clock, we all come back together for dinner and spend in the rest of the evening together. So that's kind of what we're trying out. And we always remain very open to the fact that there will need to be adjustments and not every day will be perfect. Like I'm recording this on, what is today, the 16th? the twins have six doctor's appointments between the 16th and the end of January. And that obviously throws a wrench in the schedule. So we'll be flexible. Um, But that's kind of where we're at right now, which is a really huge improvement for me, but also a big shift for everybody. But it's, you know, nine o'clock in the morning right now. And I've gotten three hours of work done because I took a pause to make Roman breakfast and have breakfast with Roman and we worked out together. Roman came out with me while I did my workout. Um, And it just feels so good to get stuff done and and not be hoping to step away when everybody's asleep. Um, So that's kind of a personal, personal update. 
Let me tell you what we're giving away today, and then we've got a ton of great topics today around being frustrated with lack of progress or slow progress, uh, around prioritizing yourself, keeping your goals top of mind. But as always on Saturdays, we're going to give something away. Today, I am giving away my favorite protein powder. I believe that protein is so stinking important and something that most people are not getting enough of. And that's why I love to incorporate a protein smoothie most days or I put protein powder in my Greek yogurt to bump up the protein there. I also let Roman have it. It's funny. I've gotten a lot of questions like, is it safe? Is it healthy to give kids protein powder? And I'm like, it's a hell of a lot healthier than giving them even honey nut Cheerios. It's a heck of a lot healthier than candy and all of that stuff that doesn't often get questioned by the masses. And it's not like, you know, I'm making Roman a 50 gram protein shake and and having him sit down to suck it down. It's more like he shares mine with me. uh, Or if I'm having Greek yogurt with protein in it, you know how it is. Like I can't eat anything that doesn't get shared. That's just the nature of having a having a one-year-old. Um, so I'm going to give away that today, uh, vanilla or chocolate, and I'll announce the winner at the end of the show. You can win. Just leave a rating and review of the show. Really a review. Uh, a review of the show on whatever app you listen. If you're not sure how to leave a review, just go to Google. And if you listen on Spotify, search how to leave a podcast review on Spotify. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, search how to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and it'll be right there and straightforward for you. So I'll announce the winner at the end of the show. My favorite protein. It's so good. I actually just finished a protein smoothie because I got my workout in and it was delicious. It was very simple. It was just water, ice, chocolate protein, and a scoop of uh, cashew butter. Yeah, cashew butter. So good. It doesn't have to be this big calorie bomb. In fact, in my opinion, it shouldn't be. If you ask my husband, oh my gosh, he made one this morning. And I think he put like two cups of frozen mango in there and like three cups of milk. I'm like, dude. But, you know, hey, works for him. Okay. First thing I want to talk about is being frustrated with either slow progress or no progress or moving in the opposite direction. And this comes from an email that I got. I'm going to read part of it to you. And it says, I'm so angry and frustrated at the moment. I have put on one kilo this week, and that's 2.2 pounds for those of you that aren't familiar with kilos. I had lost it and was on the way down last Thursday, and now it's heading up again. This is what I don't understand. And this is, this is not me. This is what this person is saying. Over the last couple of years, I've cut out a lot of things. Bread, snacks the majority of time, carbs at night, uh, do more steps, etc. And have always made improvements. And you'd think that if I cut out all of this stuff, I'd lose weight. But I'm still the same weight as always. How do I get past this frustration? And then it says, sorry, but this always happens. I do a lot of good work and my body responds by doing the opposite of what I'm striving for. Okay, on the highest level, if, because this person's referring to, granted, the weight is over a week, but she's saying over the past couple years, she's done all these things and her body's not responding. If you're doing something for months and you're not seeing any positive progress, then it's not what works for you. And a lot of folks were really quick to point at Like, look, I've stopped eating this and I've stopped eating this and it's been a year and I'm up 10 pounds. 
yeah, what you're doing isn't working. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have stopped drinking soda or that you shouldn't have stopped eating sugar. But let's be honest, you can still overeat even if you clean up what you're eating. And I fell into this trap for a long time. I cleaned up what I was eating, but then the volume of the healthy or the clean foods or the improved foods I was eating was just too much. It was just too much. And sometimes that looked like maintaining my weight over a period of time. And sometimes that looked like gaining weight. And sometimes that looked like weight loss, but it was really, 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 really slow. So at the highest level, if you're doing something consistently for, say, four weeks, right? Not a week, not four days, but like, let's say you go a whole month of consistently doing something different and it's not producing any movement in the direction you want to go, either it's not enough of a change or something else needs to shift or it's not the best thing for you. Let's use a couple of examples. Let's say that you just adopted intermittent fasting and you've been doing it for four weeks and your goal was weight loss, but you haven't lost any weight. It could mean that that approach the intermittent fasting window you've chosen, isn't going to work for you. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. It could mean that you are just eating way too darn much when you do eat. We have to understand that even when we clean up what we're eating, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're putting ourselves in a, a fat loss facilitating kind of state because quantity does matter. Quantity does matter. Your body is going to give you your answers. Now, on the point of, you know, I, I've put on a kilo this week, 2.2 pounds. Who gives a shit? That is so normal and not indicative of anything. Now, granted, again, if this person has truly gone years being super consistent and not seen weight loss, obviously something needs to shift. But on the scenario of I'm so angry and frustrated because I put on 2.2 pounds over the week, that is not something worth any amount of negative emotion or drama or anything. A, I always recommend focusing on the solution than how you feel about the problem. But B, fluctuations are super normal. And you could hit a low on Wednesday and the following Wednesday be 2.2 pounds higher and it's just water or it's just because you're constipated or it's just about hormonal fluctuations related to your cycle or it's related to the fact that you didn't sleep well or it's related to the fact that you've been super stressed out or it's related to the fact that you had a super high sodium meal the night before and it's around water retention and things like that. This is why I get a little concerned when people are so emotionally invested in the scale that they say something like, I'm angry and I'm frustrated because I put on 2.2 pounds over a week. If you cannot emotionally separate yourself from the scale, that is honestly where your work needs to begin. It is. Because the anger and frustration is worse for your health than the 2.2 pound situation. It is. And in the scheme of life, there are things to get angry about and there are things to be frustrated about, but normal body weight fluctuations, if that trips your trigger, then you're just going to be a pretty irritable person in general. That's a low bar for something like anger. Whether you like to see it or not, fluctuations are completely normal. What we want to look at is the trend. 
And listen, if you are somebody who is not emotionally attached to the number on the scale and who understands normal weight fluctuations and you want to check your weight every day, cool, do it. As long as you can do it knowing it's completely normal to be up a few days and then down a little bit and then up a day and then down a little bit more and then stay the same for a week or two. Like that is so normal and we want to look at the trend of weight if the goal is weight loss, say month to month versus day to day or honestly even sometimes week to week. You cannot be happy over the long term and be emotionally invested in that number looking up at you when you step on the scale, okay? Fluctuations of several pounds are super normal, super normal. So as far as this sense of, I do a lot of good, this is exactly what the email says, I do a lot of good and my body responds by doing the opposite of what I'm striving for. You might be doing good things, but they might not be the things that your body needs for the result you're looking to create. It's uh, To go back to that intermittent fasting example, fantastic. You feel good about the fact that you're no longer eating at night. That doesn't mean it's not a good thing. But why are you not seeing fat loss? Well, let's look at other things. I can't tell you how many people will do something like low-carb or keto, and they're just eating too much. It's not that low-carb or keto didn't work for you. It's that you're eating too much. Or people who have this wonderful fasting window, but they're overeating when they do eat. Or they have five days that are really amazing. And they have two days that are not amazing. And there's nothing wrong with the five days. It's the two days of overeating or overindulging or drinking too much that's really the problem. But of this email, I have to say, the most concerning thing is the the judgment and the drama and the problem focus. It's just draining. And it's discouraging. And it's completely unrelated to energy that could be invested in the solution. I was listening, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Heidi Powell, but she uh, she gave some sort of presentation a few days ago. And one of the things she said was that there's a really big difference between a weight loss journey and a transformation journey. If you're on a weight loss journey, you're focused on the numbers. And you're doing things so that that number goes down. And there's a lot of emotional involvement in the number. If you're on a transformation journey, then your focus is habits. And you're remaining consistent with the habits. And the problem with people who are just doing whatever they can to see that number get down, it's as soon as the number gets to where they want it to be or a place where they're more comfortable, then they're no longer incentivized by that goal that they once had. And so they go right back to the way things were, and it's a yo-yo. But if you're on a transformation journey and you're really focused on habits, the habits are there to stay because the habits were the goal all along. When we want to see progress faster, whether it's with getting out of debt or it's with weight loss or it's with starting a business, I believe personally that there is this inverse relationship between pace and sustainability. What I mean by that is the faster the pace, the less likely it's sustainable. So when I 
did this ridiculous crash diet where essentially I had like a piece of whitefish, a tomato, and an apple. And that was it. I might have had two apples. Two apples, a tomato, and a piece of whitefish was all I ate all day. You bet your butt that I lost weight really, really fast. And I also gained that weight back really, really fast. And I'm on this postpartum weight loss journey now, reminding myself that the slower it goes, the more sustainable it is. Because I'm doing the things like, you know, having the pizza with my family every once in a while or the chocolate bar or whatever it is, it feels very sustainable. It's not extreme. There's not deprivation. It's not 100% true of this inverse relationship, but I would say it's 95% true that, you know, the more rapid the results, the less sustainable they are. So keep that in mind. Another question came in and it says, will a keto style diet impact my breastfeeding slash milk supply? I don't know. Here's the thing. Your body will tell you. There's a second part of this question that I want to get to in a second, but whether we're talking about like breastfeeding or not, will, will this type of diet work for me or not? Is intermittent fasting right for me? Your body is going to let you know. You know, if you, if you do keto for a couple weeks and your milk supply tanks, there you go. But a couple of things to consider. You could adopt a keto style diet that tanks your milk supply. And another version of keto could keep it steady or even increase it. And a lot of that is going to have to do with how much you're eating. A lot of times with anything, when we make a shift, we not only make the shift prescribed like high protein or low carb, but we also simultaneously drop calories. Those are two different things. So if you switch to keto and all of a sudden you're not having bread, you're not having rice, and you're not having sugar, sure, you've adopted a keto approach, but you might also be eating a lot less. And so is your milk supply dropping because of your keto diet? Or is your milk supply dropping because of your dramatic caloric deficit? You can adjust those two variables, meaning, well, what happens if I'm still keto, but I eat more? Does that make a shift? Same thing with energy. I started doing XYZ, but my energy was crap. Well, is it XYZ or is it the fact that you did XYZ and also this dramatic drop off in how much you were eating? Try eating more and see if that shifts things. The second part of this question says, I've been, this person asking about breastfeeding and milk supply, I've been adding extra, um, these like kind of grainish bars to maintain milk supply, which has resulted in me gaining more weight, plus the added emotional blocks of chocolate most nights. So is it these bars that you eat that's resulting in weight gain or is it the chocolate most nights? You know what I mean? Like don't, don't blame one for what the other did. How about you see if you stop eating the chocolate most nights and are you still gaining weight? Maybe not. And at the end of the day, if the goal is keeping milk supply up, you don't have to have a caloric sur surplus where you're gaining weight in order to do that. Now, you might be in a place where, and this is sometimes true for me, I need to maintain weight in order to keep my milk supply up. Sometimes weight loss and keeping my milk supply up don't go hand in hand together. I've talked about this before, how I always thought prior to having kids that if you breastfeed, the weight's going to fall right off. That's not true for everybody. 
I know for me, I hang on to weight when I'm nursing and breastfeeding, which is why right now on this weight loss journey, it's just going to be slower. It's just going to be a lot slower because A, I want it to be sustainable, but B, I got to keep my milk supply up. So I think it's a little misleading to suggest that these bars you've added in to maintain milk supply has you gaining weight when you say you're eating chocolate most nights. I'm going to go ahead and say that might be the culprit for the weight gain. I love this next question because it is just where I am right now. It says, how can I prioritize myself more slash make time for exercise and food prep? The thing about food prep is that it actually saves time. Sure, you have to carve out time for it, maybe one or two days a week, but it saves a lot more time. When I, like the other day, I I made the chicken soup with a whole chicken and it took me, I don't know, 20 minutes to get everything into the slow cooker. But then for two lunches and one dinner, it saved me a ton of time in preparing things for myself or Roman to eat. When I take however long it is, whether it's five minutes or 45 minutes, to make a meal or two, it saves time. It saves more time than it actually takes. If I take an hour and I make a big batch of chili and I bake a bunch of chicken and I put a, you know, a soup together in the crock pot, yeah, I had to find the hour to do that but I've saved multiple chunks of time from multiple days and multiple meals. So perspective really, really matters here when it comes to the food prep side of things. One strategy that's helped me a ton is look at where you're wasting time. That could be scrolling around on your phone. It could be watching TV at night. It could be sleeping in. It could, you know, any number of places. I think there are very, very few people who are using their time exceptionally well. So look at where you're wasting time and start with that. Before I watch this show, I'm going to prep XYZ. The other thing is make your food while you're already doing something in the kitchen. So if I'm washing bottles and that's going to take me 10 minutes, I'm going to take two minutes before I start and I'm going to throw a bunch of chicken thighs on a pan, sprinkle them with some seasoning, and pop them in the oven. The active time there is is literally two or three minutes. Get out the pan, put foil on it, put the chicken on it, sprinkle it, pop it in the oven. And then while I'm standing there washing bottles or emptying the dishwasher, I'm preparing 20 chicken thighs that are going to last us multiple meals, you know? There's many, many ways to make the food prep time thing work for you. Have the discipline to say, I'm not going to sit down to watch my show or I'm not going to scroll through Facebook until I've done XYZ and prepared whatever it is. If you have to stay up 30 minutes later to spend 30 minutes preparing two meals, again, it's going to save you time down the line. In terms of making time for exercise, a couple of things really help me. Number one, do it as early in the day as possible. It is much more effective for me to knock it out before noon than to try to fit it in afternoon because you never know like who's going to stop by or, you know, what other things are going to happen. Just uh, Friday, I got a phone call from CVS that I had to call Blue Cross Blue Shield 
And, you know, that ended up taking two hours of my day that wasn't planned for. That sort of stuff happens once we get outside of those early morning hours. People ask things of us that have to be done, that are not optional. Things happen in our day that take time that maybe we didn't expect or plan for or kid gets sick. Just do it early. And also, you don't have to do it every single day. You don't even have to do it five days a week. Look, if you're not working out at all right now and you can do some weight training one day a week, that's better than nothing. If you're shooting for five days a week, look, maybe it's more realistic right now for you to do weight training three days a week. And have some efficiency in place. A lot of times people waste time trying to figure out what they're going to do day by day. Hire a trainer, follow a plan or a program, and have it be a plan or a program that can have you in and out in 20 minutes. That's key. And the other thing is don't underestimate movement, which I think is different than exercise. So and one of my goals right now is, is getting 10,000 steps every single day because with the babies, I can end up sitting and feeding bottles and nursing and burping and changing diapers a lot of the day. And so knowing that, I had a moment the other day, all three kids were asleep. It was probably only going to be five or 10 minutes before one woke up. And so I used those five or 10 minutes to get on the treadmill and take some steps. I understood fully that I might only be on there for 60 seconds before somebody woke up and started crying. That's okay. 60 seconds here and there is better than, oh, well, I don't have time to do 20 minutes, so what's the point? Look for those little windows of time. Find a way to get it done early in the day, if at all possible, and put it before other things. Put it before watching TV. Put it before scrolling on Facebook. Put it before, you know, things that you do that are a lower priority or not as high a value as your health and fitness. All right. The last question here says, how are you keeping your current goals front of mind? Well, they're right in front of me right now. I have them on my desk and they're like propped up. It's like two eight and a half by 11s that are sort of folded like an L so that I can see them both uh, at the same time. So I'm always looking at them when I'm at my desk. And then one of the first things I do in the morning as I'm making my first cup of coffee is I write them down. I write them in my change maker's journal, shorthand, doesn't take long. It maybe takes me 60 seconds to kind of jot them down and revisit them. And I also have, for most of them, something related to them on my master list for the week. So I, I did an episode about this. I think the first episode of the new year was about sort of my process and my system and how I have a master sort of everything that needs to get done list on my phone. And then I pull certain things week by week that I'm going to get done. And those go on a large post-it. It's like a poster size post-it note that goes on my wall. And some goals don't require anything of me this week. But a lot of them do. And so those things are on my weekly list. And I'm always looking as I plan each week. I'm going, for this goal, is there something I need to do to move it forward this week? A lot of my goals don't necessarily need something for me week to week, like a certain number of family vacations and date nights and that sort of thing. A lot of weeks, those don't require anything from me. But there are many goals that require something from me either every day or most days, and I'm looking at it while I'm sitting at my desk, but I also spend time journaling about it every morning. All right. We plowed through that. The time is flying.
Let me tell you who is winning my favorite protein powder. It's plant-based. It's totally clean. No artificial colors, flavors, sweeteners, any of that garbage. The winner is RRR4566. RRR4566. Email me, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Let me know where you're the winner of 1056 and include your mailing address and make sure that you email me within 60 days of this episode airing and I will send you your protein. I'll also link it up in the show description if any of you listening who didn't win want to check it out. But if you want to win something next week, all you got to do is leave a review of this podcast on whatever app you listen. Make it a great day. I'll talk to you soon.